All right. Good morning, everybody. Once again, uh, it's good to uh, to be together, even though it's online, but it's live. But you know, we are. Uh, it's time. It's that time to get into the Word of God, the ministry of the Word of God. So, uh, I always would love to do this uh, because we need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God. So let's just open up with a prayer before we get into the Word of God. Father, in Jesus' name, once again, Lord, we are we are so grateful. We are your child, your children. And, uh, and we are ready to receive your word because, Father, even Jesus, your prayer is that we all, your followers, will be sanctified by the truth, and your word is truth. And therefore, we ask you that you, as we open our hearts, we submit ourselves to you, and uh, we ask you that you will lead us, the spirit of truth will lead us into all the truth, the truth that will set us free. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's all go to uh, open our, our Bibles or your iPod, your whatever, laptop, uh, iPhone, to uh, the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Let's read. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, could add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Wow. God is good. The last two weeks, we've been talking about the house of God, house of God, kingdom of God, the family of God. It's pretty much the same thing. The house of God. And uh, we both, Kevin and I, the last two sermons pretty much, uh, about the house of God. And last week, I, I, my title was Let's Build Something That Is Unshakable. And, uh, but this time, I want to share what, you know, take from, from what, what we read from Haggai chapter 2. And the title will be The Desire of the Nations Will Be Seen in the House of God. In Haggai chapter 1 and 2, you know, Calvin preached Haggai chapter 1 and I did chapter 2. We highlighted the truth about God's passion for his house. 
Yeah. And we learn that God is passionate about his house. And this passion, this is just recapping what, what we've heard, what we tackle. This passion is clear as we compare God's different responses to two different attitudes of two, two different people or the individuals concerning the house of God, concerning his house. And the first one is we, we tackle in, in the book of Haggai concerning the attitude of the, the, uh, the, the, the returning exile where they, their attitude, they, they were apathetic about apathetic about, about, about the house of God and they said, oh, it's not time to build the house of God yet. And, uh, and we compared it to the attitude of David who lived in, in his panel house, so to speak, and he said, what am I doing here, living in a panel house? And yet the, the, the ark of God is still in a tent. So his heart was burdened by, no, I need to build God a house. And, uh, and we see God's responses to the returning exiles who were, who were apathetic about, about uh, the house of God. It was their demise, really, <laughs> the result of their attitude. And yet with David, it's almost like his, his heart for the house of God, he, he hadn't even done anything yet. But because his heart was like that, it, like, it provoked the favor of God. It stirred God up, and uh, so it was. It was amazing, and according to Haggai, that, that we learn that God's intention is to fill His house with glory, regardless of what or how that house looks like in the eyes of man. And uh, as a matter of fact, God, when after the building of of that. The, the, the house of God or the rebuilding of it by the uh, return exile and they looked at us like oh, it's nothing like what Solomon built God promised that the latter glory of his house will be greater than the glory that was in Solomon's temple with all his gold and silver and whatever that, that was amazing God said no it's because about my glory in the house not about what man can do so uh, it was fantastic, and obviously, we learned from last week that the house of God, going through to the New Testament after the resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, Peter expressed what he saw about the house of God in First Peter chapter two, verse four to uh, five, six, seven, eight, where it is about the people, the coming together of the people of God. And uh, so what, what, what was destroyed where not one stone rests on another has been replaced by the coming together of the people of God, the living stones. He called them living stones. Jesus as the living stone and we like living stones coming to Jesus. So, and concerning this house, God said he will shake the heaven and the earth as well as nations. In order that what they long to see, they will see it in the house of God. And the uh, New Testament writer, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrew, also add to that, the reason for the shaking of the nation and the heaven and the earth is so that what is unshakable will remain. And of course, the exhortation, the conclusion that we had was, 
was last week was less than because of the let's be preoccupied with what is unshakable, which is the house of God. So this morning, the reason we read, we just read uh, that passage, the New Testament passage, because I want us to see the heart of what we learn from the book of Haggai from the New Testament perspective. Okay? And uh, so uh, that's why we read the, the, uh, that passage before, Matthew chapter 6. And uh, this, uh, the passage that we just read is part of a whole big chunk of, you know, from chapter 5 to chapter 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount. It's a major sermon in, in the whole of the gospel, actually. Probably in the, in the whole of the New Testament. Probably the longest sermon. Sermon on the Mount. Now, just to give you the, 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 uh, the whole picture of the Sermon on the Mount. It's, if I can, can say, the Sermon on the Mount, the whole theme is, I can describe it as the, un, the un, un, unattainable righteousness. All right, because in that Jesus said, listen, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You will not enter. It was like, who can do that? That's another subject, but that's pretty much what it is. Now, in that, in that Sermon on the Mount, it's divided into two. Jesus defined his disciples, the believers, in two, in two themes. One is... They, the essence of who they are and, and the other one is what they do as a result of who they are. So the essence of, who they, who, of the believers is, you know, we, we can see from chapter 5, verse 1 to 13. And who they are will be seen in what they do in chapter 5, verse 16 to chapter 7, all the way to, to the end of chapter 7. And so chapter 5, verse 1 to 13 is the Beatitudes. And uh, concerning righteousness, you know, Jesus said who they are, they are the people who actually hunger and thirst for it. Okay? And then the result of their hunger and thirst for righteousness will be seen in chapter, chapter 6 that we just read, is their actively seeking and searching for the kingdom of God and its righteousness. They're putting it as, as their priority. Actively seek first the kingdom of God. And uh, so it is seen in first from their heart of being hunger and then it will be seen in their preoccupation. That's what God wants from us. So remember in Haggai, God said <laughs> that the nations will see that what they desire they will see in the house of God. And his promise is actually more than just silver or gold because silver or gold and gold is his. But he said, this is powerful. He said, in this house or in the house of God, I will give peace. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. And peace means the absence of fear or anxiety. So let's let's get on, get to it, okay? Let's get to uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about life and what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Okay, like I said, anxiety is the absence of peace, but also anxiety exists as a result of wrong preoccupation. So this is the invitation of Jesus to remove ourselves, to change our preoccupation, what we are preoccupied with, all right? So, uh, and then the next thing is Jesus pretty much invite us to, to guard ourselves, how we can guard our, our, ourselves against this anxiety. And listen to uh, verse 26. 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than, of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God who so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Okay? So, it's like, it's about, you know, Jesus draws the attention of the people how much God cares for his creation as the creator. He is the father of creation. He therefore cares for the creation. But more than God just cares for his creation, he, we also need to be able to view him, how he cares for his people, we as his people, like that song that we sang before. I'm a child of God. That's how I am. You know, like, that's a beautiful song. As a matter of fact, I'd like us to sing that song after, after this. And... So Jesus tried to get the disciples to have the right perspective. So really, one of the cure, one of the one of the recipe to actually remove anxiety and to have the right peace in our hearts is by get the right perspective and look into life and have a right core, right value, core values, how we look at life. And Jesus said, "Listen, look at look around you." In other words, look beyond yourself, and you are more value, you know, of more value than all those things, than the creation. And uh, the next thing is, is what we choose to do, because Jesus said, "Do not be anxious." It's, it's the the expression is an imperative sort of expression. It's like saying, "Fear not." When something is expressed in that way, in a way, especially when it comes from God, from Jesus, it's a command. It's like we choose not to be anxious. We choose not to fear. Fear not. Do not be anxious. It's a command of the Lord. Okay? And I like the way, the way it is expressed. Do not, another translation would say this, do not take thoughts saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? 
So right here we can see up to that point, Jesus was really trying to fix the disciples, what was going on in their heads because they were preoccupied with things that they shouldn't. All right? And going back to Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, what the nations de uh, desire, they will see in God's house. That's what Haggai said. But what Jesus said in verse 32, he said, For the Gentiles, concerning this being worried about what you eat, what you drink, what you will wear. And in verse 32, Jesus said, For the Gentiles or other nations seek after these things. That's what they desire. That's what they're looking for. That's their preoccupation. But as for you, that shouldn't be so. He said, your heavenly father knows that you need them all. And then he said, in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, be, be preoccupied with God's business, his house, his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The very thing that the Gentiles are looking for, are striving for, are being preoccupied with, is the very thing that they will see in the house of God without us being preoccupied by it. They're looking for that. That's exactly like what Haggai said. What the nations desire will be seen in the house of God. So here Jesus said, yeah, that's what they're looking for. But more than that, I think the promise is this. As we are preoccupied ourselves, as we preoccupy ourselves with the kingdom of God and the house of God, all these things will be added to us. Why? Because we are his children. We are covenant people and will be added to us and guess what? When that happened, there's no anxiety because we've removed the anxiety. Then what is left? The absence of anxiety then is peace. Just like the Haggai chapter 2 verse 29 says. It's like, and I will put peace in my house. And I can see there are a lot of Christians not living in peace because they are preoccupied with the wrong thing. I think... I think the call of the Lord, the call of the Holy Spirit now is for His people now to be preoccupied with the house of God. But I want to say something also about this, this passage. The, the, the discussion of our passage, there is something more critical as I read this passage in context. There is something more critical if we are not ruthless in tackling this issue of what we are preoccupied with. Because this passage is not an independent passage. This passage has a connection with other passages that gives, gives us even a stronger, when we understand the context of the passage, it gives us a stronger warning. Just look at the, the uh, that 
chapter 6, the beginning of the passage, where he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. That would, therefore, shows that <laughs> what we're reading is a continuation of what, what was stated before. And let's look at what was stated before in verse 24. Listen to this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate to the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Whoa. So in other words, this, the message of this, this passage is that if we allow ourselves to be preoccupied with the cares of this life, rather than God's kingdom, guess what? We'll end up finding ourselves serving another master. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Mm. And that shouldn't be so with God's, with God's children. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. I'm not going to go for too long, but I want to invite the music team. I'd like us to sing that song. And through that song, let's declare who we are as God's people. Our preoccupation should be different to the world, to other, to the nations, the Gentiles, people who are not in covenant with God. We are to be preoccupied with the house of God. And you know what God said? And all these things will be added to you. Just like what God did with David. He said, God, I want to, I want to build your house. And God said, you want, to build me, you, you want to mind my business? I'll mind your business. So let's just, I'm going to, do, I'm going to pray. I, don't, I just want to keep it simple. I, you know, that I'd like us to pray. But we worship first and really just focus our hearts and even this moment preoccupied with who God is and who we are in Him. And just sing this song. Go for it, Mizos. Go for it, Abby. <laughs> 